The Lessons Learned for Vets podcast is proud to be brought to you by AFMA, the American Armed Forces Mutual Aid Association. Established in 1879, they are the longest standing nonprofit association empowering military families with affordable financial solutions for generations. Offering life insurance, wealth management, mortgages, survivor assistance, and other benefits, AFMA is here to support you through every stage of life. AFMA is dedicated to helping service members be financially and logistically ready for life after the military. To support you in this process, AFMA would like to offer you their free downloadable transition timeline, a step-by-step guide to help you create a comprehensive military transition plan. Let AFMA help you get ready for your next step by visiting afma.com backslash LL4V. That's A-A-F-M-A-A.com slash LL, the number four, V or clicking the link in the show notes. Hey guys, welcome to the Lessons Learned for Vets podcast, your military transition debrief from the veteran mentors who have gone before you. My name is Lori Norris, and I've been teaching veterans how to successfully navigate their military transition since 2005. I'm bilingual, but instead of a foreign language, I'm a civilian who speaks the language of all branches of the U.S. military. I've used this unique skill to help thousands of veterans, and today I want to help you navigate the hidden opportunities and unseen risks you may face during your own transition from the military. This is the Lessons Learned for Vets podcast. Veterans, if you're, if you want to enter the civilian community, like truly the civilian community, outside of DOD channels, LinkedIn is probably where you need to start. One, you have to know why you're on LinkedIn. Don't do what your, your neighbor does, whatever. You just got to be you. So I -hmm. knew that I wanted to utilize LinkedIn to essentially land a job without begging, you know, so I wanted to showcase what my 20 years of experience in the military can really, you know, do for a company. So that's what I did. So I did a lot of problem solving posts. I did a lot of struggle posts. I did a lot of, you know, fall hard, rise, rise high post. Um, and then I, sometimes I would, you know, post humor and those are the posts that never do well, but that's actually probably more my <laughs> style. Um, but yeah, I would just say post figure out kind of what you want to showcase future employers, future recruiters and, Mm -hmm. and do that, you know, but aim, you know, veterans, a lot of veterans will get stuck in the veteran community, but you got to figure out where you want to land a job. So I really focused on my skill as an HR professional. So I would say do that. Today on the Lessons Learned for Vets podcast, I am so excited to welcome Misty Moreno. Misty served in the United States Air Force for 20 years and five months as a human resources professional, and she achieved the rank of Senior Master Sergeant. She is married to retired Master Sergeant Johnny Moreno, and they both retired September 1st of 2020. Johnny is a stay-at-home father and husband taking care of their 13-year-old son, and Misty works at Continental Tire as a human relations business partner. Misty spends her free time volunteering through Veterati, mentoring transitioning military members as they fight a new battle after they take off their uniform. 
Misty calls herself a LinkedIn success story, and I cannot wait for you to hear her LinkedIn strategy. Welcome to the show, Misty. It is such a pleasure to have you with us today. I've been following you for so long, and I'm just really excited to talk to you. Oh, thank you so much. Very blessed that you asked me. I just don't ever think that what I'm posting is being heard or seen. So it's awesome that you say that you've been following me for a long time because I just get on there and I post. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to talk a lot about that today. So just to start off, by tell us a little bit about your transition story. Kind of did it go as expected? Was it smooth? Tell us, just to give us a quick overview of your transition. Yeah, so I joined the Air Force in March of 2000 and swore that I was going to stay in until the Air Force kicked me out and I was going <laughs> to make chief. And right around 19 years, August 14th, 2019, I made a, it was a rash decision at the time, but it was the best rash decision that I've ever made. But it was a rash decision. I was in a meeting with a civilian boss that we had just bumped heads for you know, the last two years that we have worked together and I just kind of felt like it was the, the last straw. And I just said to myself, you know, um, I don't need to put up with this anymore. I don't want to put up with it anymore. It's time. And maybe this for me, maybe this was God's way of saying, Hey, I'm trying to open the door for you. Here you go. So I left the meeting August 14, 2019. I left the meeting and within five minutes I had gone to my desk and press retire. And so yeah. it was a very rash decision. Didn't discuss it with my husband. I got in my car afterwards and said, Hey, just to let you know, uh, we're both going to retire September, 2020. And he's like, Oh, okay. Cause he had already planned to retire. And ever since then, him and I just kind of, we downloaded any and every checklist that we, that was possibly available to us. And we just got going and we did every single thing that the checklist told us to do. We went to tap, we read the directions on the, the out, you know, the out processing uh, briefing. And we just kind of followed everything, the letter to the law and our way from August, 2019 to the time that we officially retired was truly as smooth as possible during COVID. During COVID, it was yeah. really as smooth as possible. And we credit a lot of that to just really paying attention, reading and being supported and, and honestly supporting one another. I think, you know, uh, the Herb Thompson talks a lot about owning your transition and I think yes. you are the epitome of that. So, well, what caught you by surprise during that transition process? Like, you know, was there something that kind of hit you and you're like, oh, that's not what I expected? Not during the transitioning process, but once I retired officially, so no more kind of military securities, you know, I mean, obviously, yes, I have the VA and I, you know, I am retired, so I do have some support, but it's different, right? So the biggest thing that surprised me was how mentally prepared I was not to not have rank. Okay. So I did a lot of work prior, seven years, honestly, seven years ago, I, I hit a personal and professional kind of rock bottom and it, it caused me to do three things. So the first thing that did was made me kind of define my definition of success outside of work. 
just in general and define my purpose. And the second thing I did was I honestly got a life. Like I, (laughs) you know, discovered some hobbies and some things I like to do outside of work. And really it was to have something to go home to. I mean, besides obviously my husband and my son, but you know, Mm -hmm. to want to leave work. Um, Anyone who's a a self-professed, you know, workaholic knows that, I mean, I could literally work all day, especially if you love what you do. right? Right. And you know, if you have people that you, that you like to work with. So, um, the first thing I did was define my definition of success and my purpose. And then the second thing I did was get a life. And then the third thing I did seven years ago was really create a community outside of the military. So I had different people to turn to that had different opinions and different perspectives. So seven years ago, I thought, okay, I got this in the bag. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to prepare now to take my uniform off. I'm going to know exactly who Misty is and what I like. And, you know, I don't need my rank. I don't need the military to, (laughs) to define me. And boom, I enter the civilian sector and I have no idea how to act without walking in as a senior master sergeant. And it's, I know this sound like it's going to sound like maybe that's what I used during my military career, but I'm going to be hundred percent honest. 10 years of my last career, I was a senior NCO. I had people, <laughs> I had an office or, you know, people stand up when you walk in the room, you're kind of somebody right in the military. And you know, like being senior ranking or officer, um, rank has its privileges. And I was very blessed where I was treated with respect. And now in the civilian sector, what surprises me the most is how much I really relied on that rank to establish my credibility and my authority. And now it's kind of scary because I'm only relying on who I am as a person. And what if people don't like me? And I kind of feel like I'm an acquired taste anyway, like I'm sushi, you either love (laughs) me or you hate me. And so now it's like, oh no. If they don't like me, they may not partner with me. They may not do what I need them to do, you know, whatever it may be. So yeah, that's the most surprising thing is I thought I was mentally ready. And every day proves that maybe you just can't get mentally ready until it actually happens. You know, maybe your first part of your transition is the logistics. And then your second part is the mental aspect. And I foresee this because it it definitely has hit me hard. I foresee this kind of taking some time to get used to being misty outside of rank. I think that's some really good advice because we always are so focused on the job. We have to get the job. We have to check the box of we have income coming in. And we don't really go back and look at the emotional aspect of it, right? The yeah. What happens to us internally? And I love your, I, I just want to go through your three steps again, right? So like define what success means for you, kind of, you know, what determining your purpose. Yeah. Um, I love like get a life, <laughs> get a life yeah. side of work. I mean, I think we all need that, right? So, so that we don't identify with our rank, our military veteran status, our job Absolutely. and who we are. Mm-hmm. And then creating a community outside of the military, right? So I, I had once had someone tell me like the best thing I ever did to prepare me for the transition was start talking to civilians, like start yes. making friends with civilians. 
you know, like we're the, some alien out there that you have to make friends with, right? <laughs> but, oh, but it's, but I it's think it true does. though, yeah. Mm-hmm. It helps your communication, doesn't it? Absolutely, absolutely. Like the best thing that I did for my transition was a DOD skill bridge and where I worked with a civilian company that were not military, that mm-hmm. didn't really have many military affiliations. Um, and so I was inundated with jargon from the civilian world and really kind of able to see how they act, you know, personally and professionally, you know, like even just going to the brewery on a Friday night with them, just being able to see how civilians act versus military. So yes, that, I think the third, the, the third thing that I did seven years ago really set me up for success. I really believe that's just a part of the integration process, right? And it, and it really Absolutely. is. It's a, it's a whole new world, a whole new culture that you're integrating into. So what insight can you give us to how, how have you dealt with this? So how have you kind of made that, you know, transition, if you will, into being a civilian? What are some of the tips that you have for that? Yeah, so I knew right away immediately when I actually started my last assignment in the Air Force. Um, My last assignment in the Air Force was at an organization which is very heavily civilianized. And that's kind of just protocol as you kind of get up in the ranks, you know, you kind of work with more civilians. And immediately my first day, I met or re-met, I should say, I kind of re-met people that, um, because I was at Shaw when I was first a young airman, Shaw Air Force Base in South Carolina. Mm-hmm. And so my last assignment ended at Shaw Air Force Base. And um, so full circle, my husband and I, same thing. And so I walked into Shaw Air Force Base again, you know, as a senior master sergeant and kind of re-met all the people that I grew up in the Air Force with from my first assignment. And so now, of course, they're all civilians and they were all miserable, absolutely miserable. And I was like, trying to kind of feel it out for a little while. You know, I was there, had a lot to do with my rash decision, but everyone was just miserable and unhappy and they hated where they work and they hated what they did. So I immediately knew I do not want to work in the DOD right now. I want to retire and I want to go and try and be a human resources professional outside of the military. So that's the first step I did was I... 100% decided immediately kind of where I wanted to go for my civilian Mm -hmm. journey. Um, The second thing I did was, and this is kind of just practical stuff, Lori, but, you know, obviously my husband and I, we retired together. And so we're very blessed financially, you know, retirements and VA. um, But we knew that I was going to work, but we also knew that we were going to, you know, have him be retired. And so we kind of decided that who was going to work, who was going to retire or whatever, kind of like the logistics again. Right. The third thing we did was we figured out our bare minimum salary that, that we needed to kind of uh, keep up our, our awesome lifestyle or just pay the bills. So we kind of had a, we had a, a small, medium, large salary. Yeah. And then the really kind of the last thing that I did logistically was we just decided that we're going to take location off of the uh, prerequisites and wherever I got a job, we would go. Um, I'm from Rhode Island. My husband's from Texas. He has a strong um, family connection in North Carolina though, but I knew immediately that Rhode Island was not going to be a place where I was going to raise my child, so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did the logistics first in And it helped because I'm very checklist driven, 
my husband's like, he's, he's not necessarily checklist driven, but he's, we know where we're going to go and we're going to get there. Um, and we paid attention to everything. we read everything. Um, and then really mentally, I started feeling a little, I say weird because that it's the only way to explain it, but I, I started feeling a little weird as I, um, started my civilian, you know, journey with the DOD skill bridge. And then I did get a contractor job during COVID because I was operating in scarcity. I was a little scared mm -hmm. that lasted three weeks. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I don't want to be affiliated with the DOD right now. Um, and then I landed, you know, my current job right now, once I started feeling weird and a little out of sorts, then I me immediately, um, went to counseling. And I go to counseling once a week and yeah, I just talk every day. I mean, every time that I go to kind of just mm -hmm. talk about my struggles and she's given me awesome tips to be able to cope. And I mean, I think everybody needs a counselor. <laughs> I love counseling. Um, so Somebody yeah, that's what I need someone to talk to, right? I mean, you've got to talk about it. You've got to get it out. You've got to stop internalizing it and just have a discussion about it. I, yeah. you know, I, I know that sometimes if you just say it out loud, it just feels better. It's yeah. like, instead of carrying that weight. So I'm with you, yeah. whether I, you have a counselor or some, just someone that you can confide in. That's really absolutely. important. Mm -hmm. I think the important thing that I've realized during this transition is, you know, the story that you hear about transitioning, the ones that struggle the most with transitioning are the, the vets that have PTSD or that they've suffered insurmountable amount of loss, or maybe they've seen terrible things. Well, the average veteran doesn't have PTSD. The average veteran doesn't suffer a lot of loss. And really the average veteran kind of has a pretty smooth career besides just you know being in the military. And the average veteran still struggles. And so as soon as I started feeling weird, <laughs> that's the only way to explain it, I just knew like, oh, okay, so this is not going to be easy. Um, the Air Force taught me, you know, to be resilient. So I'm going to go ahead and tap in and, and get the help that I need and dig my heels in and pray all the time. And yeah, so I just take it one day at a time. My transition is literally a day by day journey for me. Okay. So I have been following your LinkedIn posts since... <laughs> Uh, yeah, I have to go back and look when, how long we've been connected, but before you transitioned and I have been sending people to you to look mm -hmm. at your profile, to, to watch what you do, even back before you landed a job, because I feel like you linked in like a boss, <laughs> right? So, oh, thank you. Uh, and I know you told me that you consider yourself a LinkedIn success story. Absolutely. So tell us first about your LinkedIn success story. And then let's talk a little bit about kind of your LinkedIn strategy, if you would. Yeah. So my LinkedIn success story, I mean, I really am a LinkedIn success story. So like I told you before, um, my husband and I, we followed the checklist. We followed the directions. We went to tap and in tap, they told us to establish a LinkedIn account. Mm -hmm. And everyone around me was like, I hate LinkedIn. I hate social media, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, okay, establish a LinkedIn account. Done. <laughs> and I was, you know, I did it that night. Like that was our homework. I came back the next day and, and I was like, Hey, I established a LinkedIn account. I started following you. Uh, do you have any ideas? You know, like, how do I 
optimize my profile, you know, and like he turned me to the page in the Department of Labor book and I read that. And then I went on LinkedIn Q&A and read that. And I just told myself, because when I'm the only one that's going to go get a job, right? My husband's going to retire. So my husband and my son were counting on me. So I made darn sure that I was going to do everything that TAP told me to do in order to have a smooth transition because I love checklists. So that's what I did. So I set up my LinkedIn profile and then um, a lot of the stuff that I was reading about LinkedIn, it said to connect with the community that you want to essentially work for. So I started connecting with the, with the human resources community. Yes, I connected with the veterans too, but that was my secondary community. I really wanted to tap into one, local companies and two, uh, human resources people and you know, organizations, so on and so forth. Um, so I did that. And then the, the third thing that I did was I just posted every day. You know, I had 20 years of HR experience. Yes, it was in the military, but it was 20 years of HR experience. Yeah. So here I am, I wanna land a job so my husband can retire. And so I'm gonna post about key strategies that I utilized when I was a professional in the, in the Air Force, struggles, stuff like that. And, and then it started kind of turning into, you know, let me post about this transition stuff it was during COVID and mm -hmm. kind of like uh, my post kind of changed a little bit. And that's when um, a lot of people started reaching out to me. Well, I just kind of showed up every day and I did the LinkedIn thing. You know, I did exactly what my TAP instructor told me to do. I just did the LinkedIn thing. And then I was uh, reached out several times from different recruiters, a couple, you know, um, a couple information calls obviously didn't lead to interviews. Mm -hmm. Several inf uh, information calls did lead to interviews, including one from my current company. She just reached out right to me. She said, hey, I'm from this, you know, from Continental in Sumter and we're hiring human resources business partner. Would you like to get on the phone for an information call? I was like, sure. And then I like Googled Continental and I was like, in Sumter? <laughs> like, um, <laughs> So I Google Continental. I was like, all right, cool. I can, I can do tire manufacturing. So I got an information call and I absolutely um, connected with her and I felt like we had a good, good vibe. She connected me with HR manager. I had an information call with him and I knew immediately, I was like, I really, I really pray to get an interview. I want to work for him. Um, and then I was called in to have an, a face-to-face -face interview during COVID. They felt that that was important and we took all the precautions um, I didn't wait. I, I don't think I waited any more than three days. And I was offered uh, by, she's my coworker now, but she called and she offered me. I didn't even entertain counter offering. I just accepted it um, because I was so blessed. I felt so blessed. Plus the offer was amazing anyway. Um, but yeah, I did not seek them. I did not even know they were hiring. Truth be told, I knew they existed, but I forgot. Yeah. So but it was all because of LinkedIn and she cited my post, my, how I show up, so on and so forth. So I'm definitely a LinkedIn success story and, and I will go to the grave that that's where veterans, if you're, if you want to enter the civilian community, like truly the civilian community outside of DOD channels, LinkedIn is probably where you need to start. Okay. So what do you, you said you post every day. I, I, do. I don't even post every day. I'll tell you that. And, and so 
what do you say to the person that's like, I, I don't have anything to say every day? Or what do I write about? Like, what do you say to that person? Yeah, so for me, I will say it probably comes easier for me. I love to write. I've, I've always loved to write. I've, I've done it for all my life. I even have like some poems published when I was little and um, I've, I've written a lot of copy for um, some people. So it's kind of my side hustle a little bit. Um, but I'm a kind of no rules writer. I, I just write, I'll, I'll put it in Grammarly so it corrects it a little bit. But other than that, if I don't like the corrections, I don't go with the corrections. Mm -hmm. um, I like for it to kind of sound real and not, not too polished. But for me, I have series. So I do like a month of series. And actually this year, you kind of gave me the idea, but I'm, I'm doing a 365 days of advice series. And so every month, so far. thank you. Every month will focus on something different, but that's my goal is just based on my journey to educate people. So for me, any social media platform that I utilize is always to, cause I'm, I'm probably training and development at heart. That's probably my, my favorite thing to do for human resources. So mm -hmm. I'm always wanting to educate and train people and teach by my my failures and by my successes. And so it comes super easy for me. So the person that is struggling, one, you have to know why you're on LinkedIn. Don't do what your, your neighbor does, whatever. You, you just got to be you. So I knew mm -hmm. that I wanted to utilize LinkedIn to essentially land a job without begging, you know? So I wanted to showcase what my 20 years of experience in the military can really, you know, do for a company. So that's what I did. So I did a lot of problem solving posts. I did a lot of struggle posts. I did a lot of, you know, fall hard, rise, rise high post. Um, and then I, sometimes I would, you know, post humor and those are the posts that never do well, but that's actually probably more my <laughs> style. Um, but yeah, I would just say post, figure out kind of what you want to showcase future employers, future recruiters and, mm -hmm. and do that, you know, but aim, you know, veterans, a lot of veterans will get stuck in the veteran community, but you got to figure out where you want to land a job. So right. I really focused on my skill as an HR professional. So I would say do that. And I like what you said, showcase how your military experience has prepared you for what's next in your career, right? Absolutely. And that's what you need to use LinkedIn for. And that's the content you want to put out there is telling stories about your past experience or showcasing your knowledge. Um, you know, I have a, a, someone that I follow who is a project management professional and he is likening his transition to the project management planning process. Awesome. And it's, it's really nice to see how he's showcasing project management with, you know, maybe it's planning for a move or, you know, maybe it's Prepare, putting together yeah. your transition paperwork, but it's a really clever way to showcase his project management knowledge. So that, that's stellar. Yeah, that's great. That's, yeah. Well, good. Okay. Well, I, uh, like I said, if you're not already following Misty, Absolutely. You should be following her. Uh, she is, as she said, doing a 365 days of transition tips. That just like, it's amazing that, that you're on, I think day nine, is that right? Day nine. Yeah. yeah. This is what you're doing it for, obviously you started in January. So, <laughs> so, <laughs> all right. Well, excellent.
one of the things that you have talked about recently on LinkedIn, you've been really open and honest about <laughs> the differences of being a civilian employee and a service member. And you talked about it a little bit earlier, like, you know, how do I deal with having my rank and, and mm -hmm. having the respect that comes along with that? So what are some of the biggest challenges that you have faced as a civilian employee? And what do you want to help listeners be prepared for? And I have to remember that you told me that not to curse. Just kidding. So, um, well, if it's okay, I'm going to start with the similarities real quick because it it uh, it's relevant. So, when I was an HR professional in the Air Force, three things I dealt with: customers that didn't read the fine print and didn't read anything that I sent them, and really just wanted me to do everything for them. Second thing, I dealt with supervisors that wanted me to do things for them. And then third thing, I dealt with managers that didn't want to partner with HR, right? And so I dealt with all that in the Air Force, and I still deal with that in the civilian community. HR is a beast, mm -hmm. <laughs> and so is manufacturing. So I'm in the two most difficult industries, probably that you could choose, right, for your transition, like um, I, I definitely dug my heels in on that one. So I went to a manufacturing plant and I'm in HR. Um, but the differences are the first thing for me, so it's going to sound crazy, but it was the noise level, like open cubicles, no office in the military, even though we were HR, we were really hush hush about things, you know, to keep privacy and stuff. And we, we keep privacy here, but it's, but there's like a larger pool of people that can know. And mm -hmm. so everybody was talking out in the open. And at first that was really hard for me to deal with. I was like, there's so much noise in this office. I cannot get anything done. I don't usually go back to my days in Iraq, but like some days I was like, this is the amount of noise that I experienced in Iraq. And it was overwhelming. So the first couple months I had a really hard time in cubicle city. Sorry. Um, even though my last assignment, I had cubicles, it wasn't loud. It wasn't loud at all, but it was really, really loud. So that was kind of the biggest difference for me. And that was really hard to handle. Um, second thing was the technology that this company is using is outrageous, amazing. Like I was blown away by monday.com. I was blown away by teams, you know, and Lord, and this is crazy because this is 20 years, you know, I didn't use this technology that we're using. So this is probably old school for people, but I don't know, mo most military members, we don't use this stuff. Right. But the first thing, the first time that I had to go and schedule, like ask someone, hey, are you open now, right? I went to his office and I was like, hey, I'd really like to schedule a meeting with you. You know, are you available, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, oh, just look on my calendar. And so like, I came around to his cubicle and looked on his calendar. He's like, no, you, you can, I was like, wait, what? And so he showed me how you can do like scheduling assistant and stuff. And I was like, ah. but then once I realized that I could do that, that means other people could do that. And right. so then the other thing that was really a big difference was that my time was not my time. Everybody had access to my calendar. So I started getting smart. I had to start scheduling lunch and start scheduling admin time and stuff because you're, you know, I, my schedule was available for everybody. So yeah, those are the major differences. It was the noise, 
it was the technology that still to this day, I'm like, whew, and everyone is an Excel wizard. And, and I know this sounds pretty basic, but the majority of, of the people I worked with, we didn't use Excel the way that these people use Excel. And this yeah. is probably just normal to them, but I hate to say it, but I had people that use Excel and they did Excel for me. And so now everyone, I mean, I was in a meeting the other day and everyone's shouting out formulas and shouting out pivot tables. And I'm like, wow, I'm so glad they didn't have me do an Excel test because I wouldn't have been hired. <laughs> I wouldn't have been hired. So I know that that's a weakness of mine, obviously, but the noise, the technology, and then just the fact that time is just not mine. So I had to get real smart with scheduling myself. So yeah, those are the big differences. And obviously besides just not having rank, I'm a business partner, human relations business partner. So I am basically the liaison between the employees, the supervisors and the managers. And like I told you, I still deal with customers and supervisors and managers that maybe don't see me as a partner and they want me to do things for them. And it's hard because I really have to rely on my personal influence because I don't really have too much positional influence. HR is really not, we're not a moneymaker. Yeah. And, and sometimes we're a nuisance, right? We make people like follow the rules, follow the rules <laughs> and adhere to policies and procedures and Lord forbid, I don't want you to get, you know, sued. So I need you to listen to me. So now like, I really have to focus on being a pretty pleasant human being. So people want to talk to me, you know, and that's, the, those are the, the differences. I couldn't have landed a better job with a better company. Like I am just so beyond blessed. I, I wake up every day and I just thank Jesus for where I'm at, what I'm doing and who I work with. So just a huge shout out to my team. Like it makes me tear up because I just couldn't have landed a better position with the better team. Yeah. Every day, literally my cheeks hurt from smiling <laughs> and it may not be a great day, but I have all these people, 12 people that I'm literally in the trenches with. Like I, I truly feel more camaraderie with these people than I have in a long time in the military. Um, I feel like I'm down and dirty with them. Like, you know, we go on the plant floor and, you know, the other day we had a death, you know, um, of an employee that we had to go and kind of, you know, make sure that the people were okay and arrange mental health services to come out. And, and we're just doing it together. You know, we had a change in COVID stuff and we're just like 12 people. Like I literally feel like they are my brothers and my sisters. And I haven't felt that in a long time. So yes, I, I put in a lot of hours. I'm very supported by my husband and my son. And that's, that was our plan, right? So he could be home, um, very supported by my husband. Uh, I, I just wouldn't be where I'm at right now without him. I'm still just trying to figure out my groove and I'm going to give this a year. And, and at the year point of being at my company, I'll do what I always do and just kind of look back and see where I'm at. And my definition of success is that overall, I am 80% happy doing what I'm doing, no matter what is happening. So that is my definition of success. It has nothing to do with rewards or promotions or money or whatever, or the house that we live in. It just has everything to do with how I'm feeling. And I can tell you that even though I work a lot and I don't have a lot of free time right now, I am 80% happy. Even in the, the times when, and I'm just going to say it, when I'm like in the bathroom crying because I'm having a, a moment where I'm not quite sure 
holy crap, you know, I'm still happy. I'm, it's just a moment, you know, and I wipe off the mascara and go to the <laughs> next meeting, you know? Mm-hmm. So yeah, when I, when I talk to other veterans, like on Veterati, um, they're like, oh man, I don't know if I want that industry. Well, yeah, HR is a beast. And then you, you know, match it up to manufacturing. Yeah, this, this is everyone's life. This is not just my life. This is everyone's life. I love that you are honest and open and real. You are who you are, no matter what. And I I truly believe that your dedication to being Missy, right? Online, on LinkedIn, I think that was the key to you landing in the perfect place because they kind of already knew who you were and who they were getting before they even reached out to you, right? Absolutely. And one of the best things that Nicole said to me, Nicole is my coworker and she was the one that sat in the interview with the HR manager. And so essentially she's the recruiting manager. So she hired me and she likes to say that, that I was her hire. Um, (laughs) But one of the things that she said to me a little, little time ago was I'm not surprised. And I was like, what does that mean? She's like, the way that you showed up to the interview and what you said in the interview and how you said it and the experiences that you shared, I'm not surprised. Like I am, you did not ghost me. You did not false advertise. She's like, I knew that I was going to get this person. And this, this is the Misty that was in the interview. And man, I mean, I left sobbing because <laughs> you're, when you're striving for, you know, authenticity, right. When you're just striving to be yourself, and someone tells you that, like it, I was like, wow, like that made me feel good. You know, really truly made me feel blessed. So I'm where I'm supposed to be. I just have to make a decision if, if this is what I want, do I want to work this hard? You know, that's it. I think that, um, you're also in that learning phase, right? So, and I, I kind of, I don't know you well yet, but I have gained a little insight into you. And I think you are, a learner by nature and you're in Mm -hmm. there just learning how to be better at your job and you know in a year you may not have to work this hard yeah right so yeah it's just a matter of right now you're intaking knowledge and information and I'm gonna guess that you work harder than anyone expects you to oh yeah (laughs) oh yeah and but I'm blessed where I have Nicole and Adam and Ashley and Mike, and I can name my entire team to, to say, Hey, Misty, close your laptop, go home. Yeah. Or if I'm online early and and they're online, they'll be like, you know, we probably shouldn't be online. Maybe we should go, you know, get a workout in or something. So we always police each other. Um, but there's seasons, you know, and, and, oh yeah, I was hired during COVID. Right. Yeah. Things (laughs) are a little different right now, huh? Absolutely. So that's why Although I made a rash decision to retire, I'm not going to make a rash decision when it comes to this job. I'm going to take the time that I need and hopefully the world will get to some kind of normalcy soon. I don't even know if that exists, um, but it's not fair to really make a decision. But if, as long as I know that I'm 80% happy and I'm good to go. And and when it comes to work-life balance, first of all, I don't really like that word, but when you're striving for work-life balance, you know, I just, I don't strive to have a balanced day. I strive to have a balanced week. And I am very, very proud to say that I had a very balanced week. 
even though it was chaotic, I was very balanced. I didn't look at my phone or my, or my computer until I got into work, you know, and I just, I did the best that I could with the work that I had. And I just told some managers, I'll get it to you next week, you know, and, and they're surprisingly very patient, you know, you have to kind of give them the benefit of the doubt. I think they understand too. They're under the gun as well. So. Absolutely. Well, thank you for sharing that. Cause I think that it is important to have that dose of reality that it is not always going to be hundred percent sunshine and roses. <laughs> and so there will be those hard days. And I, I like your 80, 20 rule. That's a, that's a yeah. good rule just for life in general. So, yeah, I learned that yeah. from a counselor. So a counselor okay. told me that in 2013, and that was the most profound thing that I have learned in counseling is that it's, and he was talking about, cause at, at that time, total transparency, you know, my husband and I were, weren't doing as well. And he said, you know, a lot of people get divorced because of the 20% and they fail to look at the 80%. It's the things that bother you that you get a divorce over. And so people quit their jobs because of the 20%. You know, people stop with an exercise and, you know, eating right regimen because of the 20%. But, you know, if, if you're 80%, if you're doing it 80%, you feel good 80% of the time, like you can't let the 20% derail you in anything. Yeah. So that's, that's great advice. Thank you for that. Mm -hmm. So just to kind of wrap up today, what are some really important lessons learned that you want to close off with? What are, what would you say are, are some of your most important lessons learned you want to share? Yeah. So I really just have one um, that just culminates how my experience has gone and how I feel. My life is not very different and it's a little disappointing. I'm just going to say for three to five years, I've had this expectation that when I retired from the military, I was going to be able to slow down. I was going to be able to sleep at night. I was going to be able to be home before it's, you know, before it's dark. I was going to be able to go to the doctor without having to worry about a meeting getting in the way that I was going to be maybe go and see my family and go on a vacation. And, you know, but my life is not very different, but I'm 42 years old. I still have probably a good 23 years of work in me um, because I'm healthy, you know, thank God. And so if I want to continue making the money that I make to keep the lifestyle up that we have, then I'm probably going to get, have a job that expects a lot out of me and is going to require more than just 40 hours a week. But some people work 40 hours, hard hours. You know, I just, I work long days and they're not all hard, but they're long. Um, I still don't go to the doctor. I still don't sleep well. <laughs> I guess probably a shocker is that I no longer can blame the military. I have to maybe do some self-reflection and, and I'm the reason why these things are happening. And, you know, I'm, I'm sticking with my counseling and talking with people and, you know, my support system is awesome. Um, but yeah, the biggest lesson learned is expectation management. My life, um, is not that different. And I will say it is a little disappointing. And, and I think it's important for veterans to understand that. You know, and I mentioned earlier, the veterans with PTSD and who've suffered insurmountable amount of loss, yeah, they're obviously probably going to struggle. But there is the average veteran out there that will still struggle too. And so we spend a lot of time on the logistical portion of the transition, the resume, the LinkedIn profile, the connecting, where we're gonna live, so on and so forth, right? 
but man, it's a, it is an untapped market for the mental struggle, for the mental struggle. And, and military members will tell you, or veterans will tell you like, oh yeah, I felt that too. But like, if you're going to connect with someone, you know, maybe connect with them, not just about their resume or their day in their life, but maybe connect with them on, Hey, what were your mental struggles? Because it's a different beast. It's, it's something that I'm not quite used to. I have always considered myself pretty emotionally organized for the most part. Um, but there are days where I'm like in my car and I'm about to lose my mind because I'm really uncertain of my credibility and of my authority and I don't feel smart enough. And sometimes I leave meetings and I'm like, what meeting did I just attend? I have no idea, you know, cause I, these people are smart. And like I told you before the technology, like we talk a lot about how military, what military members are going to add to the, to a job and, you know, to the organization, to a work center, but some of these organizations don't need us. Like I work with people that are just unbelievably innovative. Nicole is so quick to think of an idea. And I'm like, how the heck does she think of that so fast? You know, and sometimes I just want to share my ideas because I want to get one. Like I want, you know, I want to be the, one of the ones that came up with something because this team is just amazing. So yeah, you know, they don't need me as much as you're taught. Like as, as much as people say like, oh yeah, organizations need these military members. Like not all of them do, yeah. you know, but you know, and you it, add value to the team. Right? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, but I'm just is... saying I add value to the team. They hired me for being able to jump into a conflict management issue mm -hmm. or whatever. Like that's why they hired me, but this team is super smart and innovative. So, um, if I left, they would still be that. I, I've really just work very, very hard to keep my spot there. I think of anything we could end on the, the fact that, you know, just being a veteran isn't enough. No, right? you can't just say, well, I'm a veteran. So hire me, right? You have to know what you add to the team. You have to know how you can add value, how you can benefit the organization. You know, you have to be able to market your skills in a way that the people that are hiring you can understand. Absolutely. So. And you have to showcase them. So I know I'm not very good in, obviously I'm not very good in Excel or PowerPoint, but I'm, you know, I consider myself a pretty good coacher. I could coach people. Um, I love training. I love development. I could rock a crowd, you know, audiences don't scare me. Um, the plant manager and production manager don't scare me. I've worked with generals before I was their assistant. <laughs> So yep. I can walk into a meeting and be very confident about it. Um, probably more confident than when I walk down on the floor with employees, right? So yeah, you have to showcase what you got, but no, they hired you for a reason. Some companies, and they'll never tell you this, right? Cause it's illegal, but some companies are very hesitant when it comes to veterans. You have to know what you bring to the table and you got to rock it every day. Yeah. Absolutely. That is a great way to end the show. Well, Misty, thank you so much for bringing you and who you are to the Lessons Learned for Vets podcast. I am so excited that you joined us. So thank you so much for everything you shared today. Thank you, Lori. And I feel very blessed that you asked. Thank you. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Lessons Learned for Vets. If you learned just one lesson today that you believe can help smooth your path during your transition from the military, then I have done my job. If you haven't already, 
please click subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss an episode. While you're at it, leave us a review and share our podcast with your friends. Connect with me on LinkedIn and join the Lessons Learned for Vets Facebook community to tell me what lesson you learned today. See you next time.